Well, what do you do in five minutes, huh? I'm delighted to be here and have an opportunity to share with you this evening. Uh, uh, today, we've, I've been here about four out of the last five years because I think this is one of the great, great programs that we have in America today because I believe so much in our type of government and the way that we achieve, and I think this is what we're all about uh, right now. Of course, I, we've been very fortunate with the Cowboys, if you're a Cowboy fan. Uh, few, we got a couple here, I know from Texas anyway. But anyway, uh, we've been very successful over the last 16 years. We've been in the playoffs 15 out of those 16 years, and of course that takes a lot of work. It, we didn't start that way. When we, were, when we started back in 1960, uh, I remember it so well, we started the two leagues at that time, and we were out in Los Angeles, and they said they were going to give us a franchise, and I was delighted that they were going to give us one. And, uh, the only problem was the draft was over with, and we didn't have any players. And I asked them, where are we going to get the players from? They said, well, we're going to give you your pick of three of the worst players uh, out of eight players on each team. So we're going to get our, three, our pick out of those three players, and we started with 36 players. Well, the first year, we were 0-11-1. Now, if you're not a football fan, that's not a very good record. You know, you don't stay around very long, but it, when you have a record like that, if you've ever competed, you know, in athletics, uh, it's, it's very dangerous to touch the ball, you know, when you're a 0-11-1 team, because the, the ball tends to, to uh, draw a crowd very rapidly. I remember we were playing the Bears in the Cotton Bowl uh, one time, and they beat us that year. They beat us 47-7, which was a very typical outing for us. When the, when the game was over, George Hallis was still coach at that time. He came across the field, and I didn't know what he was coming for. I thought probably for condolences. But before he got to me, he says, Tom, you're going to lose every ball game this year. Well, I knew it, but I hated people telling me about it. You know, and I said, well, what do you mean? They said, well, I tell you, you're giving away every play. Our defense has been keying on your backs every play. And, of course, I couldn't argue because we hadn't passed the line of scrimmage all day. And I, I said, George, you can't give away every play. You know, you may give away two or three, but you can't give away every play. And uh, George said, well, since we don't play anymore, I'll tell you what's happening. He says, when Don Meredith goes in that huddle and calls that play, he says, three of those guys come out giggling, the other one comes out wise as a ghost. <laughs> now, you got to think a little bit about that one, huh? <laughs> well, you know, one of the advantages, I guess, of being the dean of the NFL coaches in the NFL today is that uh, I am old enough now to have a perspective of what's taken place over the last 30 years. I can look back and see what has changed in the professional football, and there's been great changes in professional football. And my wife and I used to go to New York Giants when we were in New York. We used to go to New York uh, during the season. And when we came back to Dallas in those days, uh, everybody, your friends, would see you on the street and say, where you been? We haven't seen you for the last three or four months. Because there was no publicity in 1950. This is poor television in the early 1950s. No publicity about professional football. You'd go out of town and play the whole season. There'd be no uh, information at all. That's where we were in 1950, before we started into television. But it was a simple game at that time. There's nothing complicated about it. It was pre-computer days, which makes it very simple. Before the computer came in, I remember uh, I took Sam Huff, who was a, a tackle out of West Virginia, and I made him a middle linebacker. All I had to do was give him two keys, you know, one a key of the back and one a key of something else, and next month I'm going to put him in the NFL Hall of Fame for his performances in those days. And that's how simple football was, that you could trans 
transfer a player like that from one position to the other. But when the computer came in, they told us it's going to make it easier for us. The only problem is we got so much information, we work 16 hours a day during the football season, work all off-season trying to decipher all the computer is feeding us with information about every football team. But it's made a better game out of professional football. But the great thing is the difference in the, in the size of players. And when you see Herschel Walker, and you've seen Herschel around here, I don't know whether Herschel's here today, but I mean, here's a guy who, back in my day, when I was playing, he'd have been playing defensive tackle, you know, instead of back, because he's grown so much. When you see Ralph Sampson come in here, a seven-foot-one, he dribbles like a six-footer, you know, dribbling the ball. He's such great athletes. That's the real change in professional football and all athletics today, is the difference of the size and attrition that's made great, great athletes. I remember when we were playing back, uh, you take Herschel Walker and you put him back when I was playing, he, they would have thought he was, a, he was really a giant, 200, as much as he weighs, you know. And we were playing uh, uh, the Los Angeles Rams in the pole polo grounds. Of course, some of the older people here remember the polo grounds in New York. It's all torn down now. But we were playing with the New York Giants at that time, and the Los Angeles Rams were the great power team of the 50s. They had all the great players. And they came in to play a milk fund game there in, in New York uh, against us. And they had what they call the elephant backfield. Well, they put the elephant backfield in when they got on the one-yard line. Because you notice when you get down there, you put your best offense in. And they had a friend of mine was called Deacon Dan Tower. And he was 235 pounds. Well, that was a giant in the 1950s. And they had three of those guys. One was Tank Younger, who weighed 240. Deacon Dan, who weighed 235, Dick Horner, who weighed 230. And so as soon as they got on the one-yard line, they put these three guys in there. And then they'd run off tackle with all the power. Well, I was playing left corner, and a friend of mine, Dick Nolan, who used to coach the 49ers and, and the New Orleans Saints here, he was playing the other corner. And they got, we kicked off to them. They came down the field, boy, just, just like we thought they would run, because we weren't a very good team. And they came roaring down there to our one-yard line, and here came these three big guys that come in the backfield. They lined up across there. We knew exactly what was going to happen. And, of course, they didn't come my way because I was such a, a tough defensive line, uh, you know, back over here. <laughs> they went towards Nolan. And so they came off that tackle just roaring, you know, and they gave the ball to Deacon Dan. And, of course, in those days, they had the goal posts on the goal line, which were wood. Well, Deacon Dan got the ball, and as they do down the goal so often, they lower the head, you know, to make that last yard. Well, he hit the goal post solid with his headgear. He knocked the goal post back, you know, how those wood things would go, and it flung him back in the backfield, and he fumbled the ball, and then we picked up the ball and took off running with it, and all the Rams were chasing us. Deacon Dan was laying on the ground there, you know. <laughs> Dick Nolan was standing beside him. So Dan got up, and he says, God, what happened? And no one said, I'll tell you, if you come my way again, next time I'm going to really hit you. Well, I tell you, that's... But let me sum up just uh, a, th a thought that I have for you this morning. I, you've had great advice already this morning. I think each speaker who's come up here has given you a really insight in success. Because we believe in the Cowboys, I have only one slogan. It says, the quality of a person's life is in direct proportion to his commitment to excellence. I believe you're, you must commit your life to excellence. And I've climbed the ladder of success, just like the people that you've seen here that have been successful. 
And I think that's right. I think we should climb that ladder of success, be the best of whatever we have, because God has blessed us with great talent. And he expects us to be the best of whatever we are, and we should try to achieve that. And I think that's what America is all about. But you'll find that life is a matter of priorities. This is what several of the speakers this, today have been talking about. Because whatever you consider, once someone said, whatever you consider most real and valuable in your life is your religion. It has nothing to do with God. It has nothing to do with anything. Whatever you consider most real and valuable in your life is your religion. Well, the thing I discovered on my climb to success was that my life was restless and empty, even though I achieved a lot of things. Become an all-pro, become a world's champion, we've been in five Super Bowls and all the other things. But I discovered that uh, the most important thing in life is having a right relationship with God. And once I made that great discovery, and I did it one year before I took over the Dallas Cowboys, uh, it changed my life remarkably. Because I knew then my priority all my life was football, and that's all I paid any attention to. But life is balance. Uh, uh, Mr. Jerson was talking about it so well a while ago. Sargasson was talking so well about it a while ago, about the balance in life. And that's all I can leave with you today, because it's changed my life, because I now have a balanced life. I still want to be the best football coach I can be. And I'm going to be the best football coach that I can be. But I know what my priorities are. And I wish and hope that each one of you really think about what's your priority in life, what's most valuable in your life, because that's the thing that's going to determine what you become and what you are. Thank you very much.